listening to Hymns Illustrated, where hymns are explored, appreciated, and illustrated through stories, testimonies, and edifying conversation. I'm your host and fellow hymn fan, Kristen Eifeldano. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Hymns Illustrated podcast, where we seek to apply Colossians 3.16 in audio format. That verse enjoins us to let the word of Christ dwell richly among us in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Now, if you believe that the Bible is God's word, is inerrant, is absolute truth, and is to be our guide for all of life, then I'm guessing that first part is super familiar to you. Of course, we're supposed to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We're supposed to read the Bible and remember it and obey it and teach it. But what about the last part of the verse? It's amazing to think that not only does God want us to dwell on his word, He also wants us to teach and admonish each other through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. From what I understand, using several different sources, um, is that psalms are those lyrics that are found in Scripture already. Think Think of the entire book of Psalms and King David. Hymns include uh, the body of church music that we've had written by men and women throughout the ages, and then spiritual songs Uh, as I understand it, are Christian song lyrics that tend to focus more on our personal testimony and the Christian experience. A lot of choruses can be described in this category. All three of those types of songs have a clear role in our sanctification and fellowship with believers. Although God's word is the only word that is inspired and sharper than any two-edged sword, God has made room in his divine plan for Christian fellowship and for sanctification, for Christians to write and share their own words as praises to God and their own lyrics, sharing their personal testimonies that come from knowing a loving Savior. What a wonderful thought that is. I don't know about you, but I tend to forget the last part of that verse. It's easy to think of hymns as the music and lyrics we only sing for a few minutes on Sunday morning. But I believe from this scripture passage and others that hymns should have a much bigger role in our lives as Christians, not just for our own benefit, but clearly for the benefit of others around us. Some authors that I've read get this, so I just have a couple of quotes I want to read to you. Um, The first couple are from the same man, Robert J. Morgan, who is still living. He is still active on social media. I follow him on Facebook. He is the author of several of my hymn story books here. Um, Then Sings My Soul is one. Near to the Heart of God is another. So he writes hymn stories and devotionals, and he is a pastor, I believe, in Tennessee. Um, But here's what he writes about um, hymns in his book, Near to the Heart of God. He says, hymns are distillations of the richest truths of God, versified, emotionalized, set to music, and released in the mind and from the mouth. They are miniature Bible studies that lead us effortlessly to worship, testimony, exhortation, prayer, and praise. 
They are bursts of devotional richness with rhyme and rhythm. They clear our minds, soothe our nerves, verbalize our worship, summarize our faith, and sing our great Redeemer's praise. Well, how about that? That's a mouthful, um, and every bit of it is true and fits with Colossians 3.16. Makes sense. Um, The second quote is from Robert Morgan as well, and this is from his Then Sings My Soul, book three. The history of the church is encoded in her hymns, and the story of Christianity is enfolded in its songs. If you know the hymns of the ages, you'll know the history of the church. Amen. And then the last quote I want to share with you is from Philip Schaff. Next to the Holy Scripture, a good hymn book is the richest fountain of edification. Do you agree to that? It's been a long time coming, but it is finally here, the podcast. Anyone who knows me knows I have a tendency to overthink things, and I am sure that did play a part in the time it took to finally getting to recording this episode. Uh, I know I've talked about it for a little while to those closest to me and those who follow Hymns Illustrated on social media and who have signed up for the Hymn of the Month newsletter, but God has also clearly led me to this point, and I am convinced that this is His perfect timing in the launching of this podcast to you all. So what I'm going to do is share a little bit of a background about how God has led me to this point in starting this podcast. Are you subscribed to the Hymn of the Month newsletter yet? If not, it is easy to do and a wonderful way to stay connected to the Hymns Illustrated podcast and all things hymns related. Go to hymnsillustrated.com and the sign up form is right there on the homepage. Now back to the episode. Well, praise the Lord for his clear direction and the timing and purpose of this podcast. Here is a little behind the scenes look at how it came to be. As stated in the intro, my name is Kristen Eifeldano, and I am the person behind the website, hymnsillustrated.com, and now this podcast. I grew up in a small Baptist church and in Southern Iowa and understood God's plan of salvation and trusted Christ for my own salvation at a young age, but I didn't start reading the Bible on a consistent basis until my late teens, and that was about the same time God placed a love for hymns in my heart. It happened when I decided to teach myself how to pick the guitar, not strum it, just finger picking so I could understand music a little bit more. I started with a Mel Bay book, and then I looked around the house for some more music I could play, and I found a hymnal, and I started singing along with it while I was playing. The words just came alive, and I was moved so many times just from the truth of God's word in lyrical form. Not too long after that, I was working at my Christian university's library, and one day I was shelving a cart that had a copy of William Cooper's Complete Poetical Works. It caught my eye, and I ended up checking it out. Turns out that this world-renowned poet in the secular world also wrote a poem I knew from my own Christian experience. There is a fountain filled with blood. Well, one thing led to another, and I learned more about William Cooper his bouts of depression, his friendship with John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, and I was hooked on hymn stories. I ended up taking a hymnology course as an elective, and I loved it, even though I believe I was the only non-church music major in the class. And my professor would occasionally 
have the class sing the hymns that we were learning about. And these students could sing. I ended up lip syncing half the time just so I wouldn't mess up the moment and I could just take in um, the beauty of that sound. Uh, But it was a wonderful class. It was life-changing for me. And now I am convinced that hymnology and hymn history shouldn't be reserved for just church leaders and church musicians. It should be something that all Christians should learn. Hymns are for everybody in the church. And of course, our theme verse, Colossians 3.16, emphasizes this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hymns aren't just for Sundays. They are for every day and for everyday interaction with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to teach and admonish one another through scripture. Yes, absolutely. First and foremost, but also hymns. So it was with this general thought in mind that I started a hymn of the month newsletter over 16 years ago. It started off just Gmail or, well, um, I think I used my work email to to send it to a few work colleagues. Um, I worked at a Christian publisher. And then um, I eventually created lyricalgrace.com. And now that is hymnsillustrated.com. Encouraging Christians through hymns and helping Christians appreciate hymns more is something I love to do. And I currently do that through social media hymn quotes and the hymn of the month newsletter. And now I'm thrilled to finally be able to do that through a podcast. I'm quite familiar with podcasting. I'm a virtual assistant in my day job and have helped one of my longtime clients produce about three podcasts of his own. And I've also produced my own work-related podcast. So that's partly why this this came to my mind and how this has been a long time coming. It's been on the back of my brain since I started dipping my toes in these podcast waters. But I just wasn't sure how it would look and what the focus would be or what exactly to talk about or if I should find a co-host rather than venturing out on my own. So I took my time praying about it and thinking about it. And then not too long ago, the Lord made it incredibly clear that I just needed to do it. My years of thinking about it were done. It was time. And so I'm very excited um, of, of doing this. I don't have the exact format down yet that we will do. Um, I do know I will, um, I will share the hymn of the month every month through this podcast. I will definitely share at least one hymn story, hopefully more. And I would love to have guests on here where we just talk about hymns and we apply Colossians 3.16 and and you can listen to that happening in action and just be encouraged to um, also apply Colossians 3.16 in your own lives and being um, be more free to talk about hymns and your own testimony and, and scripture, of course and just live out Colossians 3.16. So since this is a new endeavor for me, I am going to start simple. Um, But who knows what God has in store and where this will, will go from here. I am just so glad that you are listening in right now. All right, our hymn of the month is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Author Helen Lemel writes, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Through death into life everlasting, he passed and we follow him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Born in England, Helen Lummel moved to the United States when she was young and over time became a well-known vocalist, giving concerts around the Midwest in the early 1900s, teaching voice at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and eventually moving to Seattle, where she served for some time as a music critic for a local newspaper. Helen wrote over 500 hymns, as well as a book for children called Story of the Bible. She was inspired to write Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus in 1918 after reading a missionary tract from Lilius Trotter, who, who we will talk about in a moment, that included these words. And oh my goodness, folks, this sounds just like it is just so relevant uh, to 2021. And this was written over 100 years ago. She writes, Never has it been so easy to live in half a dozen harmless worlds at once. Art, music, social science, games, motoring, the following of some profession, and so on. And between them, we run the risk of drifting about, the good hiding the best. It is easy to find out whether our lives are focused, and if so, where the focus lies. Where do our thoughts settle when consciousness comes back in the morning? Where do they swing back when the pressure is off during the day? Dare to have it out with God and ask Him to show you whether or not all is focused on Christ and His glory. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look at Him, and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from Him. Later, Helen recalled the moment, Helen the hymn writer recalled the moment, Suddenly, as if commanded to stop and listen, remember this is after she read that missionary tract and those words I just read, I stood still and singing in my soul and spirit was the chorus with not one conscious moment of putting word to word to make rhyme or note to note to make melody. These verses were written the same week after the usual manner of composition, but nonetheless dictated by the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me pause here for just a minute to let you know that what I just read was from the October Hymn of the Month resource page. I send these out at the beginning of the month via email, and they always include a link to a resource page that gives you the full lyrics to the hymn, as well as a short hymn story and links to related resources and the sheet music that you can, so you can take your hymn study to the next level if you like. I just grab that Sheet music is a PDF, a link to a PDF from hymnary.org. So it's not, I don't create that for you, but I do link to that resource. 
This month, I was overwhelmed with what I could have shared there in that hymn story section on the page, but I had limited space. So you know what? You wonderful podcast listener today, (laughs) get in true Paul Harvey style the rest of the story. Lilius Trotter, the missionary who inspired Helen Lemmel to write one of our favorite hymns, has a pretty amazing history of her own, and I think you'll be just as fascinated as I was to learn more about it. One of the best ways to appreciate hymns even more than you already do is to read the stories behind them. I have several hymn storybooks that I love, but what I recommend the most is Then Sings My Soul, books one, two, and three by Robert J. Morgan. To learn more about this book series and other Hymns Illustrated recommendations, go to hymnsillustrated.com slash resources. Again, that's hymnsillustrated.com slash resources. The year was 1876, and 23-year-old Lilius Trotter was staying at a hotel in Venice with her mother. Her mother, upon learning that the famous art critic John Ruskin was also staying at the same hotel, sent him this note. And I just love how people corresponded back then so formally. Mrs. Alex Trotter has the pleasure of sending Professor Ruskin her daughter's watercolors. Mrs. Trotter is quite prepared to hear that he does not approve of them. She has drawn from childhood and has had very little teaching. But if Mrs. Trotter could have Mr. Ruskin's opinion, it would be most valuable. Well, Mr. Ruskin reluctantly agreed to look at the watercolors, and when he did, he became convinced of her talent and became her teacher and mentor. Ruskin said of Lilius in one of his lectures at Oxford, quote, She seemed to learn everything the instant she was shown it, and ever so much more than she was taught. And then to Lilius he wrote, I pause to think how, anyhow, I can convince you of the marvelous gift that is in you. But Lilius was not just sensitive to the beautiful world around her and her art. She was spiritually sensitive, and she began to live her faith out in remarkable ways. She volunteered at the Welbeck Street Institute in London, which was a hostel for working girls, and she also ministered to prostitutes there in London. Her volunteer work turned full-time, and she even started London's first, or she helped start, London's first affordable restaurant for women so they wouldn't have to eat bag lunches out on the sidewalks. It didn't take John Ruskin long to perceive her heart for ministry as a threat to her career in art, unfortunately, and he told her that he believed her work in London was affecting her art in a negative way. According to the website liliastrotter.com, yes, there is thankfully a whole website dedicated to her, uh, quote, Ruskin brought Lilius to Brantwood, his home in the Lake District, in May 1879, three years after their initial meeting, to put before her the brilliant future he maintained would undoubtedly be hers if she were to give herself fully to the development of her art. Well, dazzled with this, Lilius wrote to a friend that Ruskin believed she would be the greatest living painter and do things that would be immortal. With his talent as a teacher and his power as a cultural leader, Ruskin could launch her career single-handedly, but the offer came with a caveat. To become immortal, she would have to give herself up to art, so completely surrender herself to art, and Lilius was deeply shaken with the weight of this decision. She eventually wrote to a friend, 
I see clear as daylight now. I cannot give myself to painting in the way he means and continue to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lilius had a clear choice laid out for her. Sometimes it would be nice to have choices that clear, right? And she chose the things of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a full-time artist, I assure you. In fact, there is abundant biblical evidence that normal, everyday, routine work is just as glorifying to God and purposeful as official ministry or missionary work. The key here is to realize that she believed her true calling from God was full-time ministry, as evidenced in her choice to later become a missionary to North Africa. And here I'll read again from the liliastrotter.com website so you know what happened to her after, after she gave up her career in art. At the time of her death in 1928, Lilius had established 13 mission stations and had over 30 workers under the name Algiers Mission Band, united in her vision to bring the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ to the people of this land, from the cloistered world of Arab womanhood to the Sufi mystics in the desert Southlands. During her 40 years in North Africa, she pioneered means, methods, and materials to reach the Arab people, which in retrospect are considered to have been a hundred years ahead of her time. And now, my friends, you know the rest of the story. Now, at first I wondered if God gave Lilius two gifts, and she had to choose one gift over the other. One was the gift of art, and the other the gift of ministry. But I really don't think that's the case here. I can't help but wonder if God's true gift to Lilius was the gift of spiritual sight, the gift to see the beauty of creation all around her, and to put it in watercolor and art form. I wonder if that gift was the same gift that he used to help her see the necessity of sharing the gospel and then putting that in ministry form. Let's close with Lilius's words in the missionary tract entitled Focused. Dare to have it out with God and ask him to show you whether or not all is focused on Christ and his glory. Turn your soul's vision to Jesus and look at him and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. Thanks for listening to Hymns Illustrated. If you were blessed by what you heard today, you can say thank you by leaving a review on iTunes, sharing the show with a friend, or by shopping at christianbook.com using the affiliate link in the show notes. All of these gestures keep Hymns Illustrated going and growing. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep your hymnal open. Thank you.